Welcome to the Vortex Nation podcast, brought to you by lovers of hunting, shooting, public lands, the Second Amendment, and good food. How's it going, everybody? We are very excited to get into the topic of suppressors, silencers, you know, all that good NFA stuff, the stuff that, oh, I don't know, makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up because you get all excited and giddy about it. And uh, across the table from us, virtually this time, we have Dave Matheny, who is actually the CEO of Silencer Shop. That's, that's pretty sweet. So, Dave, I think it's safe to say, based on everything I've heard, you know a fair amount about silencers. Would I have dealt with just a few of them. Yeah. It's kind, <laughs> of, uh, it's kind of your life. <laughs> that's at right. least at work. Yes, it is. Man, that's pretty cool. Uh, I guess just right off the bat, I'd be curious... What led you to get into what you do? I mean, having a silencer shop, doing all this, uh, working in, you know, an area that's it's kind of difficult to navigate. I don't know. Like, my first choice of stuff to get into, I mean, we're lucky. We have optics. You can just go up to a store, <laughs> buy one, have it shipped to your house, no problem. But you opted to go uh, for something that has a little bit more uh, red tape around it. You know, and it, it was actually, it was kind of an accident. I was working as a programmer at the time I was working for VMware for tech people know who that is, know what that is. But, uh, you know, my son was born hundred percent deaf in his right ear. And mm. when he got to an age where he was, you know, I was wanting to take him hunting and man, I got to tell you, you put that kids in that kid in the hunting blind, he just bounced off the walls, couldn't wear the muffs. It was kind of frustrating to me at least. So I decided to go get a suppressor really to help him more than anything. Yeah, And it was a, the, the buying experience was actually really, really bad. Mm-hmm. I almost didn't even get it because the guy who did the transfer went out of business halfway through, but I did wind up getting that one. Wow. So the second one, I decided to get through a more reputable established shop. And crazily enough, the experience was almost the same. He didn't go out of business, but he would not help me with the paperwork. Of course I had errors, wouldn't help me resolve the errors didn't really want to sell me what I wanted. I mean, it didn't want to talk to me about it. So when all that was said and done, I thought I'm just going to do transfers for people in the local area. I'm thinking North Austin. I'm thinking, you know, just do a few a week, right? Just to kind of help people out, put up a website. And really the tagline sounds your ownership simplified was really my goal. I'm going to simplify the paperwork. So from the very beginning, I was almost more focused on the paperwork than I was on the silencer side of it. I mean, I tell you, it, it just exploded. And then with my software background, I started automating the code so I could spend more time talking to customers, or I started automating the process using code so I could spend more time talking to customers. And it, uh, there was a huge demand and it, because of our, the approach we took, it scaled really well and it, uh, it got to be way bigger than I ever, ever imagined. That's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. And I mean, like getting into it too, from the side of that whole hearing protection thing. I mean, you think about you and, and your son. I mean, it's just, there There we go back to when you really boil it down. I mean, they're, they're a tool. They're a, they're a handy yeah. tool that just, it, it's helpful in, in certain many situations. Yeah, I always say it's a safety device. You yeah. know, it's a, you know, if OSHA had been around when silencers were invented, they'd be required. It's almost yep. an accident of history that they're regulated the way they are. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine us actually saying, boy, if only OSHA were around? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this think, might be the yeah. only time it's that those words have been uttered. <laughs> I didn't see this podcast going that direction, but here we are. 
They're gonna. This is gonna come. They're gonna. Pl- OSHA's gonna play. They, they said something positive. Yeah. Wow. They wish we, really, we were there. We really made their day at least today. Um, <laughs> if they'd been around and then left, let, let's leave it. <laughs> <laughs> we only needed you for just a little bit back in nineteen. Who knows when? Could you could you give us a little like uh, background too on the whole history of why suppressors have so much just gobbledygook around the the whole process? Why it got to be this way? You know, it it really was. It was a weird situation. Congress was trying to ban or highly regulate handguns. And the Supreme, and this is back in the 1930s. The uh, Supreme Court stepped in and said, no, you can't. Second Amendment, you can't ban them. So they came back with the NFA, which passed in 1934, which they, it really, it's, it's, it's the craziest thing. Anybody who does short barrel rifles or short barrel shotguns realizes how stupid those laws are. They're just meaningless and dumb. Right. But that was Congress's attempt at the time to get close to banning handguns. They, they put in a tax. They, they included machine guns. And then they ended up showing throwing suppressors in almost as an afterthought hmm. to help prevent poaching. Right. So it wasn't really anything other than that. And they just wound up in there. And then over time, because of the two hundred dollar tax, nobody had access to them. And we wound up in a situation where everybody got all their information from movies and TV. Yeah, so sure. you get into the 2000s and there's no frame of reference. It's like we all know in, 19, in the 1980s, if a car got in a car accident, it exploded. But we all knew because we had seen car accidents that that wasn't real, right? With silencers, we didn't have that frame of reference and we just believed James Bond. Right. Sure. Sure. We actually have a little thing over here. I don't think you'll be able to hear it, but we've got this is what everyone thinks a suppressor is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There we go. We have a little sound maker, and it's a little. It's a very James Bond esque. Yes. Uh, we should probably. Sound. We're perpetuating misinformation here, Jim. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we're be, we're be part, advised that's not realistic. Be advised, we're part of the problem. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's totally right, though. I mean, they just for so long. And I mean, even up until relatively not that long ago and still kind of going on, they're like this mysterious Pandora's box. Oh, it's a suppressor. People look at it like uh, like you would look at some alien that just dropped down from outer space and you're kind of like, what does it do? How does it work? And it's it's like, it's really not that it's complex. It's just kind of a, it screws into the end of your gun and it makes it. Not blast everybody's eardrums out. Well, what, like <laughs> it like is about as simple as the muffler in your car. It yeah. is a very simple device. Yeah. Oh wait, is that required? Oh, oh. interesting. <laughs> yeah, we had a, one of the guys internally said that if the whole premise or the story or whatever it is around uh, around suppressors, at least from the media and from certain people in politics, was reversed, and they were saying you had to have suppressors, we'd have teenagers ripping them off their guns in order to make more noise. <laughs> um, so, yeah. It's you know, and I, I would actually be arguing the same way. Government has no place telling us what to do in this stuff. If I do or don't want one, it's kind of my kind of my choice, right? Yeah. But right now they're f- trying to force us not to have one, so I'm arguing that side. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, totally, good, getting back to what you said, though, it is like an exposure thing, though. Like, because of the red tape and the complexities and, you know, people maybe get partially through or even just, like, start looking at what they might have to do, which at the end of the day actually isn't that complex, but it, it kind of is at the same time. But, like, you just kind of give up, so then you never get one, or it's this forbidden, it's got this forbidden fruit element, so then it's yeah. kind of, uh, 
got that, you know, mystique around it, like, I shouldn't have this, when really it's just like, oh, it's like uh, earmuffs. Are you speaking from personal experience, Mark? Yes. <laughs> yeah. like everything you described there, I feel like I've, I've heard you use as, as reasons as to why you don't have one yet. Yes, I, I have uh, no really good excuse, except I still just haven't gone through the process. Dave, help me. Help me. <laughs> you know, the process is, it is not complicated. And, and realistically, we, we simplify it as much as possible. But the reality is, it takes so long. The, going through the doing the process is super super easy hmm. but uh you get to the end of that eight month wait and it's like you were a kid before christmas for eight months and so you look back on it and feel like it was a like it was hard and it really the actual what you did wasn't right okay our goal is to make it as simple as possible to actually get through the actual paperwork i wish we could do something about the weight yeah there's not a whole lot other than just at the margins I mean, maybe that's part of it too. It just like you said, it just seems hard because you're, you know, we're kind of used to this instant gratification. You right. know, no matter what it is, you're like, you know, like, I don't want to wait that long. Well, Even like you get in like a fast food, and like, yeah, that's a big line. I'm not going to get the food since today. Since the yeah. very first time you ever thought, boy, it'd be nice to have a suppressor. How many eight months <laughs> have gone by? Yeah. Probably <laughs> seven, eight. I'd, Nine, I'd, I'd be covered up in suppressors. Jim. I mean, yeah. If, you, if every time you said you wish you had a suppressor, you ordered one. I bet in in come two years you would have. Yeah, you'd have like twenty five, thirty. I mean, every time I <laughs> shoot next to somebody that has a suppressor, I'm like, God, that's so nice. I'm glad I'm next to that and, guy. And every time somebody shoots next to you who doesn't, they're like, Ah, oh, what a you know what a loser here at the range without a suppressor. <laughs> <laughs> Inconsiderate bastard. That's right. That's right. Oh my gosh. Uh, Time yeah. to take a look inward. But they do. They they do more than just you know. I mean, hearing protection is a big thing. If anybody, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, and we we love the fact that there may be people listening out there who haven't shot before or haven't done a lot of shooting. You go to the range. You don't have your pro on. It's you know, and you're not shooting something that's suppressed. It's not. It's not fun. You 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 won't shoot many rounds before you just are like, I'm done. And so, you know, there, there is the hearing protection aspect of a suppressor on certain rifles with, aim, you know, the right kind of ammunition, that sort of thing. It can allow you to shoot without having, you know, uncomfortable uh, muffs on or having to stick stuff in your ear and remember, did, you know, that it's in there and not lose them. But there's other advantages to suppressors, too, outside of just protecting your hearing and other people's hearing. I mean, it can be, uh, it can be in tactical applications, hunting applications. Dave, what are, what are some of the ones you see a lot of your customers buying suppressors for? You know, as far as uses, seriously, hunting, home defense, stuff like that, shooting with kids, though, those are some of the biggest reasons that people buy silencers. As far as uh, other, you know, other advantages of them, you've got massive recoil reduction. They're on most calibers, they're more effective than a muzzle brake. Hmm. And then you've got an increase in accuracy, an increase in velocity. There's a it's actually there are a lot of advantages to to using a suppressor. The only real negative is that it makes the gun longer, mm-hmm. right? So you've got you do have to deal with that. But other than that, I can't think of anything else that's really a downside to them. Yeah, no, they're sweet. I mean, um, you think, and I know as much as you know, same story. I I hunt a fair amount, right? As much as I intend to wear uh, hearing protection. Or uh, put the batteries in my electronic muffs, or whatever. There's just so many scenarios where things happen fast, and 
you know, you've been working for a week, you're you're not going to not take that shot. At least I know I'm personally not. And my ears pay the price every single time. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you lose that hearing of just a little bit at a time and it never, ever comes back. I think for me, hunting is, that's for me, I mean, I would never hunt without one really ever because I'm out in the woods all day long, generally going to take one shot. I mean, that's just, uh, unless I'm hog hunting, right? But it's a, you're going to take that one shot. And I tell you, I I don't want to carry muffs around all day for that one shot. It's just, yeah, I know myself, I'm too lazy. You throw a suppressor on there and, and you're good for that one shot. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's just, you know, you get something that's an in-ear ear protection and then, and then you completely become numb to the sounds of the woods that you're in. And then it's like, yeah. okay, well, I'll get electronic ones. And then, like you said, Mark, you're replacing batteries, or it's you, you still just get this feeling that you're like, well, it's it's I can hear stuff better, but it's still not as good as I could hear it if I just had these things out. Directionally, then, it can seem a little bit funky. Yeah, and then inevitably, you're like, ah, fooey. You take them out, you can hear everything, you enjoy it, and then you take a shot, and of course, then you take the shot, and you're like, yeah, I wish I had plugs yeah. in. Well, and like Dave pointed out, you know, in a uh, in a home defense scenario. Heaven forbid you have to use your firearm in the home defense scenario, but that is in an interior setting, which, you know, if you've ever shot a pistol or a rifle unsuppressed indoors without hearing protection, oh, man, like that's, that, that kind of magnifies the situation, makes it even worse. Probably can, I would assume it could even disorient you a little bit. I don't know. Like, it's just that... It seems like there's a lot of pluses. We're always advocating the pluses, and there really are a lot. Why don't I? Why don't I shot I don't that. I still go back to shooting <laughs> that that muzzle brake six five Creedmoor, and I mean, you you still put it in place of that. You put an AR fifteen with a regular muzzle brake on it, like a lot of people have in their home defense setup. But I I still remember, I forgot to put my muffs on as I was moving around doing a bunch of stuff. Went down to our indoor hundred yard range, which is about seven lanes wide, and I just go touch that round off and it was the most excruciating and disorienting pain headache that immediately ensued and that's about seven times wider than an average hallway in a a house right and i mean i'm just thinking to myself like if you think you're going to go gi joe through your house just like no ear pro on muzzle brake on your ar-15 probably somebody's got some 12.5 inch thing that's a fire breather (laughs) and you think you're just going to be like laying down rounds and the adrenaline is going to help you. I mean, I, I don't know. I, there's people who I'm sure have done it, but I don't think they came out of it feeling just chipper afterwards. It's, ugh. I think after the first you shot, know, you'd be like, can you just go? Because I, I really don't want to <laughs> shoot again. Yeah. And a lot of, you know, you talk to police departments and they have very similar issues, right? They'll go into houses and they are wearing hearing protection, but you get in an enclosed environment and those firearms are so loud that they still wind up with permanent hearing damage just because of the, the intensity of it, right? The, right? the actual peak volume doesn't change when you're inside, but the duration changes. Yeah. And it's what, what causes hearing loss is a combination of the two, is duration and peak. Hmm. So That's interesting. Anyway. Yeah, I guess it's not getting louder. I mean, like, the yeah. whatever's going in, but yeah, that is, so the duration, is, and is that duration... Because it's like reverberating instead of like just dissipating into the that's right wobbly under it's like rever- reverberating off the the walls that are around you. Like, yeah, you've got those same same sound waves being echoed past you over and over again. Okay, so it's a yeah, it, the duration is significantly louder, and you'll perceive it as louder, 
but it's the duration that's actually increased. Interesting. Boy, yeah. And just the whole the whole science of, you know, the way the ear works and all that and just the way that it's the way that I mean that little tiny there's so many you probably actually may even know more about it than I do. Actually, I'm guessing you probably do because I know almost nothing about the ear. But I just know that there's a lot of really, really, really tiny things that we rely That's good on. good deductive reasoning. Being that I know nearly yeah, nothing. Yeah. There's a lot of really tiny little things going on in the ear, though, that all have to work together, I know. And they all usually have to be, they're, they're quite precise and they're quite delicate. Are you, and when uh, you just like beat the heck out of them with the sound, and then also, you know, you're talking about coming in a stack like you see law enforcement or military guys too. Just the blast. I mean, all that stuff's in such close proximity to the ear. It's, um, you well, know. Well, and then, you know, it doesn't even have to be you. That's shooting. No, right? I, and um, probably, right. probably more often than not, if it's a guy over your shoulder, Ugh. I don't even want to. Dave, do you know, uh, I'm not asking you to be a medical doctor here, but like, what, what's, <laughs> Good. what's going, do you know what's going on when like hearing damage occurs? Other than that, it, know, it is permanent. Yeah, it's just, my understanding is it's all those little hairs in your ear. I'm not a doctor though, okay. but those do get damaged and they never grow back. That's the thing about hearing loss is it's one of the things that never heals. Mm-hmm. So you just have to be very, very careful. And that's why you have so many older people, you know, it's the guys who hunted once a year, took that one shot a year and now they're 80 and they can't hold a normal conversation anymore. Right. And at the time, you know, it happens so gradually, they didn't even realize it. It's a real thing, right? You get older and it affects your quality of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, like it's cumulative, right? Like you, That's right. Yeah. You get like a status bar of hearing to <laughs> yeah. live with in your life. And if you just keep taking it away, it's not going to regenerate. Mine's getting redlined. Oh, no. Mark. I was, I was uh, gosh, where was I? Here was you are. Other... And here you are without a support. We got to get on this. I know. I, I think need, we, know, I need to actually, we know somebody who can help make I it need, easy. I need to follow through on this. Yeah, man. I mean, just the other day I was in like, a, we we're in a restaurant and I'm just like, man, like everybody's talking and I'm just like, you feel like all you hear is just noise. Just, yeah, it's horrible. Dave, so speaking of, you know, making the process easy. So, so somebody's like, like, I want to do this. That's, that's kind of your specialty. Like you've said, it's making, helping people figure out the way of getting the suppressor. Like our friend Mark. So there's a lot of, a lot of could be a relative term, but there's a lot of different ways I think that somebody can go about getting a suppressor or registering it to themselves. Or then there's these NFA trusts, and it sounds like maybe there's even more than one type of NFA trust. Um, right. What uh, What are the different routes that you can go? You know, there there are really three main ways. Okay. So you can register as an individual to yourself, as you mentioned, you can register as a trust, or you can register as a corporation. For the most part, most people don't really use the corporation route because if you ever get in a situation where that corporation either becomes invalid or you sell to somebody, you're actually, you're selling everything it owns, including the silencers, right? Mm -hmm. So the corporation route, people do it, but not very many. The uh, most people will either go trust or individual. The advantages really of individual are you basically just fill out the paperwork for yourself and that's it. But there's the gigantic disadvantage is only you can have possession of it after you've bought it. Let's say your, your wife is home and she's using it in a home defense scenario. You're not home. She's creating a felon. She, she is actually 
committing a felony in that scenario if Man. you registered as an individual. And, you know, the kids who are, you know, 22 years old, they're buying their first one and they think, ah, it's just me, but they're going to get married someday, right? And the, mm. that's where the trust kind of come in. With a trust, anybody who's listed on there as a, call it a trustee, can have independent possession. So like for me, I go hunting with my son. He's on there as a trustee. I can head one direction. He can head another direction. We're both good. Home defense scenarios, like I mentioned, I mean, there's, trusts are very flexible. But as far as types of trust go, and man, I tell you, I'm just yammering here. I just... Oh, no, this is, awesome. is, this is good. This, this is, is exactly yeah. what we need to get into. So the uh, so as far as types of trust, you can... A lot of people, especially pre-2016, people would create a trust. They put everybody in their family on it so they could all have possession. In 2016, ATF changed through an executive order you know, that Obama signed. They changed the way that trust work to where now every responsible person has to have separate fingerprint cards, photos, which kind of deters people from using them. Yeah. So we have, we have a product we call the single shot, which is just you on it. When you submit, it's as easy as registering as an individual. And yet when you get approved, you can write anybody you want on there. So it's as simple as doing as an individual, every single trust gets its own silencer. That's why we call it a single shot. And it's a, it gives you the flexibility long-term of a regular trust. So mm -hmm. that's, I tell you, I, I recommend that single shot to just about everybody. That is, I think, the best way to buy a silencer. We only charge 25 bucks for them. So it's not oh, like you're putting oh, this nice. giant investment into it, right? Do you recommend then, it sounded like, maybe I, maybe I misheard, so like with a single shot, somebody would essentially, you're helping them make the NFA trust and then do the paperwork to get the suppressor on that trust. And then it's all digital. So when we send the paperwork to you to sign by a DocuSign, it's just one more click to sign the trust and you're good. Wow. So everyone you buy, you just get a new trust. Oh, okay. So, and so you'll have, you might have multiple suppressors and each suppressor has its own trust. That's right. Exactly. Okay. And is there a reason why you do that rather than just having like uh, one umbrella trust that has a lot of suppressors in it? Yeah, it, it's because of the responsible person issue. So you've got, with most trusts, you've got, this is how people have their set up. It's like, let's say it's me, my wife, my kids, and my brother in Montana, okay. right? And for whatever reason, my brother in Montana will never sign or my wife won't go to do the notary or somebody's not returning something because you've got so, much, so many people on it. Nothing's ever getting submitted. Whereas if you do the single shot, you take all those variables out of the equation. It's just you. You want the silencer. You're going to get it approved, but then you can add them later. So you get oh. the same benefits of them having possession later without the hassle of them having to go get fingerprinted up front. Nice. Right. If they add people later, do they do that through you? Or is that just like, do they get paperwork that then they can just sign people's name and they have to get something you said notarized and there's fingerprint cards and photos and stuff? Yeah, there, there's no notary or anything. And there are no fingerprints, no photos ever for the people they add, oh. right? And and even up front, the way we set up the single shots, it's all digital. It's all done through DocuSign. There's no notary. Once again, it's, it is crazily easy. It's oh, yeah. as easy as registering as an individual. Okay. So it's a, a very, very, that is the way to go for most people. I was going to say, that does sound simplified. That is awesome. So, all right, I'm just trying to make sure, because there's so many, there's, there's like, Everybody's always worried about doing it wrong, right? But 
if you just if you do the single shot thing, you get all the difficult quote difficult. I guess it's all relatively speaking, uh, the relatively difficult stuff out of the way, and you don't have to be waiting on anybody else in order to like finish up the necessary paperwork to get this whole thing in process. That's right. Okay, yeah. if you were trying to make it like a big thing with everybody on it right off the right off the bat, yeah, then your brother in Montana is going to be slowing things up or something like yeah. that. Okay. Somebody just won't sign, right? You've got all these people on there and you've got whoever's busy and they just won't sign because guess what? They don't care that much. Right. They're not actually buying it. It's a, it's kind of your baby. You want it. And they're holding it up. Like I said, everybody's, everybody's busy. It's just not Mm -hmm. a priority. But once the trust is already made and already done and set up, then later on you could add their names on and it wouldn't, it wouldn't require them to like, uh, all you do is just add their name on it. Wouldn't require them to be like, "Hey, bro from Montana, you got to come all the way over here, do this, get a fingerprint on it." It's just, nope, your name's on it. You're good. Yeah, you just basically write their name onto it, and we send all the addendums for each one to do that. Cool. Okay, that's that's what I was going to ask. Is is that done digitally as well? Like, it's like an addendum to the original. Like, I'm adding. I mean, could I like say I was like Jim was like, oh, dude, I want to borrow your rifle and it's got a suppressor on it. and I'm going on this hunt and it's the perfect cartridge for it. Do I just like write Jim's name on there and here go have at or you can borrow this? Yeah, well, you basically we send you the addendums. You just print it out, put their name on it. They can take it. It really is that easy. So There's that not, that part that portion know. is like a hard copy then. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. That's right. The reason we're asking so many questions is because I actually can't believe how easy it sounds like it is. <laughs> There's been, I mean, even myself, like I obviously went through the whole process. And like you said, you kind of, after you wait so long, and I mean, for me, it was eight months, nine months later, finally, like you get this email and it's like, oh yeah, like you got it. It was approved, whatever. You feel like you went through something so arduous that it was so <laughs> difficult. But really, the, the the most difficult thing about it is just the fact that you have to be patient. But actually, the stuff that you did is not that difficult. And then if somebody like yourself is now able to, like, you know, you're smart, you know, stuff about coding and all that stuff, you can make it all digital and whatnot. I mean, like, I could just do it this morning over a cup of joe. I mean, that would be... Oh man, that's that's pretty clutch. I mean, who doesn't like coffee and suppressors? <laughs> and you know, even on the fingerprintings, we've got those kiosks deployed all over the country. Yeah. But the thing that people don't, a lot of people don't realize about the kiosk is you only have to go once. So you go to that kiosk, put in your information, but then you're good. The second one you buy, you basically go online, click, you're done. Go to your dealer, talk to him, buy it, you're done. Mm. It's the it's basically the same as buying any other firearm. It's just you throw in the weight. Yeah. Right? How's the, the kiosk uh, is a one-time thing. And and those kiosks, you said, so uh, So for those not familiar, these these silencer shop kiosks, they're kind of located all over the country, like you said. Uh, are they usually, like, like where might I find one typically? Are they just kind of uh, at a Walgreens, or are they probably at a at a dealer <laughs> that already, you know, sells that sort, like guns and stuff like that? They're where the, uh, where yeah. the red boxes used to be, Jim. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. right. At all Walgreens. Just, go to Walgreens. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> no, go go to our, uh, if you go to our, on our website, you can find a dealer finder for people who have kiosks. For most people, unless you're pretty remote, there's probably a kiosk within 10 minutes of your house. Wow. I was just looking at the kiosk wow. map this morning. They are pretty much everywhere. Oh my gosh. So it's a, uh, yeah, they're, they're not hard to find at all. And that's on your website? Just easily yep. plug in kind of where you're at and... Yeah, put in your zip. It'll 
tell you that top you for most people you probably have several within just a few miles of your house we've got well over a thousand deployed all over the u.s so it's uh and more getting installed pretty much every day i don't think people realize the amount of awesome stuff you've done in making the process easy digitizing it i mean all these kiosks and stuff that's a lot of work and uh, that is that's really cool because, like you said, I mean, for so many people, it's it's like it's intimidating, or or you've had to deal with it. Like sometimes, just the way it works out in the past. I know, just speaking to some friends and stuff who bought suppressors. I mean, like you almost feel like you're buying illicit drugs or something. Where you're like, <laughs> the person's really shady. They don't want to say a lot. Oh yeah, no, I can't help you. I don't want to be liable for whatever. And like this, you're just sort of, am I buying? Wait, what is this? But I mean, yeah, props to you guys. You know, it's funny because in the early days of Silencer Shop, when it was you know first getting going, and I was still running out of my house, right? <laughs> I would get calls from dealers across the country. I remember one call where a guy was chewing me out because I was making it too easy. It's like, that was literally his reason was, this shouldn't be easy. There needs to be a barrier to entry. Like, why? That, right? Why does there need to be a barrier to entry? But it, that was really the thought process. That's super weird. I mean, does the same person say there needs to be a barrier to entry to getting a firearm? I, who knows? Right. I didn't ask. <laughs> I mean... Well, and some of that, I think, are even from, from, from people who haven't shot, you know, silenced or suppressed rifles, it goes back to those misconceptions or those myths that, oh, it, you know, it, it fully, like, there's no, no, it it suppresses it. It doesn't, the gun's still going off. There's still an audible noise. It's actually fairly loud. In a, I mean, uh, I yeah. think, you well, know. It's not, I mean, you can, if you drive up to a range and somebody's shooting suppressed, you can tell they're usually, you know, but you hear that like that. Right. It's, it's not, just different. Right. You know, a suppressed shot, like an AR-15 with a top-of-the-line suppressor on it, is as loud as a jackhammer on concrete. And people just don't don't grasp that. They're still loud. When I shoot an AR-15, like, you know, with a suppressor, I'll usually still put a plug in my right ear. I usually yeah. won't wear one on my left, but it's a good. But that ejection port is pumping sound right into your ear and Man, I tell you, it's uncomfortable. You you can still have hearing loss even with a suppressor. Right. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's just one of those things. It's like, it's certainly better than nothing. Yeah. You, you know, so it's like it's better to have, even though I don't have one. But theoretically, Jim, you know, <laughs> the, what I speculate, uh, and actually just being around people and having shot other people's suppressed rifles, man, it is. It's just a more pleasant experience. Even if you put a set of muffs on, it's a more pleasant experience. Yeah. So. Yeah. Talk about the uh, the the finalization of the process too. So so let's say somebody goes to one of these kiosks that you guys have, and they they do the stuff that's necessary to get the suppressor right. They fill out the, the paperwork, they do the fingerprint scan thing, that sort of stuff. How do then you guys order the suppressor, or maybe you have it in stock, and then there's this wait time that's going on. I think some people may wonder. What is this wait time? What's happening during the wait time? Why is there <laughs> such a long wait time? So yeah, like what's happening in there? And then also, they don't get the suppressor. You know, once they've done all the work there, the suppressor doesn't just get shipped from silencer shop to their front door, uh, right? right? So can you go into some of the, like that uh, after you've crossed your T's and dotted your eyes and you're done at the kiosk? What happens? 
So basically, you know, we, we get all the paperwork. Once everything's done, we get it signed digitally. And then we actually print it and mail it to a bank that's in Oregon. So the bank in Oregon will take it. They'll process the payment. They'll box it, box that physical application back up and mail it to West Virginia. So now you've already been mailed twice. There's a, they'll get it in West Virginia. They pull it out and it goes through data entry. So that data entry process can be actually pretty involved and time consuming. I don't know if you guys remember that barcode thing we did just a couple of years ago. That was really the, the point of that was to reduce the time that the form sits in data entry. Okay. There's a, so that the, the data entry takes some amount of time, then it gets bundled up again and it sits in a box in the hall. So you Is think this there's at this ATF? At ATF. Okay. So you think there's this long, intensive process going on when the reality is your application is just sitting in a box. It's a, once you get to the point where they're, the examiner's kind of caught up to your point in time, they'll take that physical box, take it to their desk. As they're looking through forms, they've got a physical stamp that they're putting on each one. And then the examiner is responsible for taking that application and getting it mailed back to the dealer who submitted it. Hmm. So there's really the actual amount of work that goes into processing, processing these is actually very minimal. The amount of time it sits sitting is very significant. And that's why, you know, people always want to call ATF and get like a, some type of a in-depth status, but there really isn't one. It's the status is it's sitting in a box. <laughs> so there, there's not much else to it. Wow. And is that, is that just because it's just a volume thing? Are they it's like you're, you're, just, you're just in line and that's how long the line is. Yeah, and in, in the last couple of years, just to give a little bit of credit to ATF here, but they have actually done a lot to improve their processes. The wait times, like last year, for example, when when volume spiked just massively in this industry, and yet AT, ATF wait times dropped. Hmm. And a lot of that is actually due to process improvements. And they're continuing to make process improvements. So, you know, I, I, I have high hopes that at some point in the future, we'll see wait times that are in weeks or just a couple of months versus the current wait times of, you know, eight, nine, 10 months. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So once that tax stamp gets approved, you know, then it goes back to the dealer that, that sent in the initial box of paperwork and stuff. You guys have the suppressors there that the person bought or the suppressor, and then you have to transfer it to a dealer. And that dealer can't just be any regular FFL, right? There's this SOT is what they have to be. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. Okay. It's, so basically, they have their regular firearms license, but then they have to pay a yearly tax on top of that to be able to deal in NFA firearms like silencers. The one thing that you got backwards was we actually transfer it to those dealers on the front end of the process. Oh, okay. So when, when you get approved, it's already sitting at your dealer. So you just, you'll nice. get the, they'll call you, they'll say, we got the tax stamp, you go pick it up, and that's it. Right on. And a lot of times we'll actually transfer stuff or we'll we'll handle the paperwork for stuff that was even sitting at your dealer before you even made the purchase. So we handle lots of different scenarios. Gotcha. Cool. And is that that's just something that the person at the kiosk does on the front end? They say, yep, this is my local dealer. This is where I like to, you know, do business. And they, they enter that and that's how you guys know to send it to yep. that dealer. We don't do that on the kiosk because you, if you enter, you enter all your data in the kiosk and which the main thing is really your fingerprints, okay. but it's a, we get, we get your fingerprints, but then after you're in the system, you can buy from any one of our dealers. And we've got, I think we're just around 4,000 dealers right now that you can buy from in our system. 
Cool. You can really go to any of them and that fingerprint data and all that powered by data will go with you. Okay. So it's, it's a very, very flexible system. Even if you move to another state, just update your address and you're good to go again. It's smart. And I know that there's always going to be the, the person out there who's like, well, the whole fact that we even have to have all this smart gadgetry is a bunch of BS because we should be able to walk <laughs> in and just buy one. It's like, I don't think anybody's going to disagree with yeah, that. You're not wrong. Either. I mean, you're not wrong. It's like, yeah, That's in right. an ideal world, we should be able to just walk in and buy a suppressor. I mean, heck, you shouldn't even have to fill out the uh, the thing because at some point you have to fill out the same paperwork, too, that you fill out for getting a gun, right? That's right. And so, I mean, yeah. you shouldn't even have to fill out that thing for crying out loud, but we do, and it's kind of like, well, do you want a suppressor or not? Because right now this is the only way to get one, legally speaking. Right. And it's like... It, at least somebody made it really easy. Yeah, and, I, and I've always said, along the lines of what you're saying, I, I truly believe buying a silencer should be like buying a flashlight or a rifle scope. Yeah. It's it's not a weapon, right? It's a safety device. So it's a, but this is the world we live in. So we're just trying to make it as, as simple as possible. Yeah. yeah. And really, in my personal opinion, I think the way we get from where we are now to buying it like a flashlight is by having more people own them because what we have is an education problem. Mm -hmm. The more people who have them, the more of them are in circulation, the more people understand them, the more likely we will be to, to having like a hearing protection act type Mm -hmm. type law pass. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What can you speak to a little bit? I mean, suppressor ownership other places isn't like the U S am I correct in that? No, that's right. You know, I, I went, I took the kids hunting. This is a few years ago in a way, but we went to South Africa, which I tell you was absolute blast, but that's a separate thing. While we were there, we actually used the, uh, the guide's gun. I didn't take my own and he had to jump through all kinds of hoops to get that gun, get it registered, prove he was using it for hunting. And then he just went down to a hardware store, bought a silencer, had his gun threaded, had it mounted all in the same day for $10. <laughs> I was like, what a different world. And it wasn't a great can by our standards. It really no. just wasn't that great. They're but almost like a, disposable razors over there or something. Like they just sort yeah, of, kinda. I mean, we yeah. have like, I mean, cause you're going to invest all this time and money into ours. We might as well make them super nice, but yeah, they just, they're kind of like, eh, yeah. Yeah. I could have probably made that same home Depot, that same suppressor with parts from home Depot. Right. It's, right. Jim, we should start but, uh, Dollar Suppressor Club. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not here. We're going to have to move. Once a month, you just get a new yeah, yeah. disposable suppressor. Yeah, and then you Except once every eight months, it would probably end up having to be. But that is such a weird, you know, dichotomies, whatever. But like like you said, like we have opposite problems oftentimes. Yeah. You know, from and other yeah, I'll tell you, I would rather have the problems we have in this particular case because I do like that it's easier to get the firearms. I mean, we, we can... The suppressor thing we can deal with and hopefully long-term fix, but I'd rather have that than not be able to get a firearm. Right. Oh yeah, hundred percent. It's I like, mean, oh, I've got the accessory. Great. We couldn't have overthrown. <laughs> we couldn't have overthrown the British in seventeen seventy whatever by just chucking suppressors at them. I mean, we had guns and they were loud. <laughs> but the way people, uh, the way you know, uh, unfortunately, ill-educated people look at them nowadays, they would think that you could just chuck a suppressor at somebody would be scary. Yeah, pull the pin on the suppressor and they'll bob it over. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's uh it's it's very interesting to hear it you know, this way and uh the suppressor ownership thing is just uh uh I think it's I think it's an awesome thing that uh that everybody should uh should 
do if they can. And then the only other thing that I'd ask too is just when it comes to owning a suppressor, you guys make the process of getting one really easy. Uh, the process of then just, let's say, moving around with one, right? Driving oh, to yeah. the range, back from the range, maybe driving to a shooting match where you're going to have to drive across state lines. You know, what happens if uh, you got to fly? I mean, that, that stuff can also start to get maybe uh, a bit intimidating to a person. And uh, you guys have anything that makes that easier or just uh, what's your what's your suggestions for people? Or You know, we actually do have a product coming, but I can't really talk about it. All right. That's but, the, uh, I, but I will say it's not complicated, like moving. Like, let, let's say you own a short barrel rifle. There, there are notification requirements with short barrel rifles. If you move or go to another state, same with machine guns, but nobody really has machine guns. But with silencers, there really isn't any. So every notification with a with a with a silencer is optional, and the reality is I don't even think ATF wants people to send those forms in because it's just it adds one more thing that they don't need to do anyway. Mm-hmm. They don't want to do right. Mm-hmm. Flying with them, it's like flying with a firearm, unless you can sneak it through baggage check, which I'm just joking on that. But oh god, <laughs> but, <there's, laughs> but it's a yeah. That really owning a silencer and moving around with it, just keep a copy of the tax stamp with you. That, yeah. That's really what it boils down to. Yeah. That is something that you want to have on you at all times then? Just a copy, not the original. Okay. You really, really don't want to lose that original. And yeah. just a photo on your phone is plenty. Yeah. And I tell you, in all the time I've been traveling and moving around and shooting with these, I've never once been asked to see my tax stamp. Yeah. So it's a, it just, nobody cares. Right. But just, Put it on your phone to be safe. Right. What, what if, uh, heaven forbid, you lost your original? Is there a course of action a person can take to have that get a new one? or how, A how new do they, tax stamp? Yeah. Yeah, you can actually request one from ATF. They will not send you a new tax stamp. That that stamp is actually considered currency, right? But, uh, but what they will do is send you a certified copy. And you can use that certified copy in place of the original. Now, you won't have your pretty stamp. You okay, know, but uh, but you will be able to have legal possession. Okay, oh, okay. How about the transferring of suppressors uh, after you own it? A, whether or not you can even do it, or how it would happen. And I I ask that in two different ways. One way is let's say, let's say some you know like you said a young person who's single thinks ah just register this thing to me individually, no big deal. And then later on you do have other people that you might want to have access to it. So you wish you could switch it to a trust. Um, so I'm curious about that. And then also, you know, eventually down the line, you're like, I don't really like these four cause they're 12 years old and they're all old, you know, they just like, I want the new ones. Can you, you know, sell those to a, a back to a dealer and then get on order for new ones? I mean, how about that sort of thing? So the, you actually can sell a silencer and you can transfer it to somebody else. There, there are some problems that make it to where that's not very common. So you, you think about it, let's say you, you know, or even if you wanted to transfer yourself as an individual to a trust, you basically have to fill out the same form for, but now you're the transfer or instead of the transferee. So you fill out the paperwork, it costs $200. There's still an eight month wait. So there's not really much of an aftermarket. The other problem that you run into is you can only, if you're going to sell it to another person, you can only sell it to somebody who lives in the same state you do. If you're going to sell it out of state, you actually have to transfer it 
to a dealer in that person's state, which actually costs $200 and then another $200 to get it to the person in the other state. Uh, so you have two eight month waits. So the, the oh. reality of that just makes it so selling it out of state is very, very difficult. Okay. Now on the flip side, there, there's this weird law. You can only buy a silencer from a dealer if you're 21 years old, but you can buy from an individual when you're 18. Oh, like so pistols, a, like yeah. handguns. <laughs> I remember I skirted, exactly. I skirted my way around that one when I was 19. <laughs> so there is some demand from like the 18, 19, 20 year olds, you know, who don't want to wait till they're 21, who, you know, they'll pay a tax stamp and transfer from a, from a individual. Right. Yeah. But it's a, that's really about it. Anybody else, if you're going to put in an eight month wait, pay a $200 tax, most people are just going to buy new. That's just yeah. Yeah. the reality. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It does. There doesn't seem to be a whole lot of practicality to, like you said, the used market. Or... Yeah. How about the switching to a trust thing? Is that another eight months, $200 if you want to go from an individually registered firearm to, to registering it to a trust then? Yeah. Okay. Now, that does happen more often. And the main people do it for the exact reasons you said. It's like, okay, I'm married now, got kids. I just want to put it in a trust. Let's fix this whole possession problem. And you do have the eight-month wait and the $200 tax, but you've got possession of it on both ends, right? So there's, you never really lose possession of it in that case. So mm-hmm. there are people who will do that. Okay. 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 Yeah, it. that's cool. Good to know. Mark, is there anything else or, or even Dave, is there anything else that we're missing here that you think is just really good, useful information for people around uh, suppressors? Yeah, there, there is so much to it. And I, I would just say for people who've got questions, just visit our website, you know, silencershop.com. That's, that's my main thing. Videos, articles, we publish as much as we, we can even think of to write and, and film. That's awesome. I mean, that's super awesome. And you're talking about like just the education, right? And whether you own a 10 suppressors or you're thinking about owning a suppressor or maybe you had some, maybe some negative perceptions about what perception or what suppressors are, you know, I mean, we have so many new gun owners, you know, or, and really that happens every year. We have new gun owners every year. So it doesn't matter whether it's this year or last year. It sounds like there's some really good uh, additional education there for people to inform themselves, heaven forbid, and uh, and some good stuff there. And I mean, other than that, on my end, Jim, I've, I've yet again been left with, I don't know if I have, I don't know if I have, if I have any excuses left to not have a suppressor. Well, Mark, you know, it took us a year and a half to get you an AR again. Again, yeah. Let's just get back in the game. We got a lot, maybe new listeners, you know, out there who who aren't aware. Uh, Mark once had an AR, sold it, and then took him forever to get another one. Uh, Now I'd say we're in almost three years. We got to get you a suppressor or multiple. We should get you multiple. Might as well. Might as well. Just go like we did with the ARs. Like I, I was in the game, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna sell this because I wanted a different AR." And then I got Mm, sidetracked for a while, and then then you got three. Then I got three. Yeah. And you got to get a silencer for every gun. I mean, come on. Yeah. You make a strong point, Dave. You make a real some people, strong point there. Some people switch them around, but it's like, just just have one that lives there. Yeah. yeah um, I like it. Fantastic. Really good stuff. Dave, thanks a ton. Appreciate it. And yeah, as usual, too, for everybody listening out there, I mean, it sounds like you got a great place you can go to for questions uh, and also to, uh, to go about buying a suppressor if that's something you want to do, which we highly suggest, obviously, that... That is something that you do. But yeah, hit us up with comments too on our own YouTube channel if you've been watching on, uh, online here on YouTube uh, or on Instagram. But yeah, Dave, thanks again. Yeah, thanks for the information. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Well, 
We'll catch everybody on the next one. Appreciate it. Bye, guys. All right, that'll wrap it up for this episode of the Vortex Nation podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Hit that subscribe button so you can always stay up to date on the latest happenings over here at the Vortex Nation podcast. Leave us a review or comment down below. We want to hear what you have to say about the show, maybe what you like, maybe what you didn't like, so that way we can make these podcasts as good as they can be. You can also follow us on Instagram at Vortex Nation Podcast. We'll be posting about each episode released, so that way you can go back, find these things, maybe grab a little nugget of information that you could take with you to the range, out in the field, or uh, maybe to the kitchen if we're talking about some good food. So again, everybody, thanks, and happy hunting and shooting. We appreciate it. Have a good one.